We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is trade deadline in the NFL bye week for the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're still making moves off the field. Now, K-State takes on Oklahoma State, Mizzou takes on South Carolina, and Kansas Jayhawks are in a bye. I have everything you need to know right here on the Best of Everything presented by Charlie Hustle. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs are on a bye this week, but they still have a lot going on. They have trade deadline and they've made some moves. But before we talk about that, we will talk about the big win over the San Francisco 49ers. One-on-one this week, Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito talked about the reaction to the big win against the 49ers. You know, the 49ers had a new running back in CMC, but the Chiefs came in and their offense was firing on all cylinders. This is reminiscent. I don't know. I don't know if we've seen anything like this this year. This is reminiscent of, you know, the Chiefs, Mahomes, Andy Reid, when they're really firing on they're humming. Let me see. Talk to me, brother. What happened? Yeah, it, it was really exciting to see it. I, one, they had a spectacular game plan. Yeah. particularly with Bosa because he can wreck a game. So right. they did a good job of keeping him on his toes, running jet sweeps, screens, screens all these different, all this different action and misdirection in the backfield, smoke and mirrors, yeah, that's what good. I like to call it. So yeah. he wasn't really comfortable. He he, he talked talked about it um, this week. Um, he said, you know, they got me. <laughs> they had a mm-hmm. great game plan. I really didn't know what was going on. And that's a testament yeah. to this coaching staff. Um, it was good to see the explosive plays, man. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing a bit – Bits and pieces of it throughout the year, but it, it really looked like everyone was on the same page. I mean, we almost had three guys over 100 yards. Kelsey was at 98. He dropped the freaking screen, Kelsey. You're trying to break records, man. Don't drop that, man. Come on. Let's go, man. I got to give you a hard time. But MVS had some bombs, man. He's beating guys deep. And it looks mm-hmm. like Juju and, and, and Pat have that same connection that Kelsey and Pat have. Like, this guy yeah. always finds a way to get open, That's makes scary. contested catches, um, and he's really dependable. And it was good to see him in the open field you know, take off and, and make a big play. So I'm excited for this offense. And I, and it was good to see the running backs running hard. Like every single one of those guys were running extremely hard. You can right. see how competitive it is in that room. The rookie got the start. I call him Pistachio. Pistachio. Um, you know, because I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> I have to look at my notes. I'm like, I don't trust myself. Uh, Pacheco. Uh, but it's Pacheco, man. And, yeah, you know, I said it's a cross between like a wine and a meat. <laughs> um 
but Pacheco, he, he got the start. He runs extremely hard, like mm. like he's angry, and, and I love to see that passion. But all the guys play really hard offensively. The offensive right. line, I can't forget. They were the stars of the game. I know we talked talk about to me, brother. Talk the skill guys, but they, they've been getting some criticism lately, especially on the edge between the tackles. But they freaking stepped up. And, and it was not only a great game plan, but they, they were part of that game plan. They executed and, and they did their job at a high level. And, and when they do that, when the offensive line goes, Pat talked about it. When they go, we go. And, and right. that's when you see 44-point games and, and blowouts. Right. We lit up one sack, I believe, and then we yeah. had well over 100 yards rushing. And in Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid run offense, over 100 yards rushing is all you need to yeah. open up everything else. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything else opens wide up if you're pushing the ball well enough to get three or four yards of carry and forcing defense to be honest. Uh, and we saw that. I mean, they just well, they couldn't it, stop it. it opened up the RPO game, the play right. action. Um, even in the, the third and mediums, you have to respect the run now. Right. And Pat was back there baking cakes, man. He was just right. – he had everything in front of him. There, there was nothing to worry about. And it was just easy pitch and catch all day. Right. Screams, draws, run game, slows down the rush, yeah. keeps guys on their toes. And, and that's the key. Whenever – coming from a defender who's played against some difficult quarterbacks, when you're playing against guys like that, the, the one of the, the first things you want to do well, – there's two things. You want to make them one-dimensional. You don't, you don't want to make – you don't want it to be a guessing game. Right? Yeah. Let's, let's make it a game where we can just get off the football 100 miles an hour and rush them. And the two, rush the passer with four. Yeah. You can do those two things against a good quarterback. You're in good shape. Obviously, Mahomes and them were able to get that neutralized. They were they were good to go against a good front, a good defense. You were right, number one defense, number one defense in the NFL. But but, but you guess who guess who showed up though? Who's Our that? defense did what everyone thought the 49ers defense was going to do. Right, they got right. after Garoppolo. They were rushing floor. Right, Frank Clark had his best game of the year. Um, right, Chris Jones did his thing. Karlofkis was getting pressure. It was collective group effort up front. Now, while the offensive line did step up, another person that stepped up this week was McCole Hardman. He had two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown this week, and that's a lot. Now, the offense as a whole is definitely going to that next level. But on the breakdown this week, Matt Castle talks about what he saw in some of these plays, especially that sweet play that allowed McCole to get his first touchdown of the game. Yeah, you know what? I love this call. And again, this call with the jet sweep is always to try to use the speed of McCole Harmon to get to the perimeter as quickly as possible. And when you look at it, it's a two-by-two formation. It's a stack set. You're going to set him in motion to get him going full speed before he gets the ball. But the guy that really makes this play right here is Noah Gray. He's got Nick Bosa lined up. Nick Bosa is the only guy that can really ruin this play if he gets in the backfield and explodes it. But if you see it, there's just a subtleness of Noah Gray being able to give him a little bluff he steps down stops his momentum a little bit gets him to hesitate and then explodes up to the next level and by then McCole Hardman's already out on the perimeter on the edge and then from there you just got guys out in front look at the bodies out in front here we got guys working to the second level you see Fred Warner right there you got you got two guys on Fred Warner blocking him. You got Noah Gray working up to the second level. And then McCole Hardman, I, what I really liked about this play was his patience. He let those blockers work. He didn't pick a lane two yet. He let the, the blocks get set, and then he hit his path and took off for the touchdown. It was just a really well-executed play. That's a great point on the patience. A lot of times when you see receivers get the ball in this situation, they're just shot out of a cannon, and they almost – 
overrun their blocking. Here he waits for those blocks to set up, looks back, finds a lane, and then explodes through it. And as you said, just tremendous job from Andrew Wiley on Fred Warner there, as good a linebacker as there is in this league. We were a little tough on Wiley last week. He had some mistakes in pass protection. He really made up for it this game. And he did. I also love the use of the thir- of 13 personnel by the Chiefs has been underrated this year, too. All three of those tight ends have played such a huge role in this offense, and it just makes them that much more versatile. Not only do they have the depth at receiver, but all these tight ends get involved as well. Right, and that's what I love, too. Like you said, the 13 personnel, I didn't even really bring that to people's attention right here, but that's a three tight end set. And if you know you're running the ball, there's no better way than to get big guys like the tight ends that are used to blocking, used to getting guys in space out there. And so this easily could have been 11 personnel with a three wide receiver set, the way that the play and the actual structure of of the the set is set up. But they decided to go 13 personnel knowing that they were going to be run blocking, and it really worked to their advantage in this situation especially when you get a tight end on a corner and a safety on the back end that really is what helped spring this play open down the field well if you want to hear more about the breakdown of the offense matt castle breaks down many more plays and you can check that out on the breakdown at kansas city sports network but there's still a lot more to talk about now heading into this game there was a lot of questions especially on the offensive side can the chiefs really put together a cohesive game plan. And on Casey Lab this week, they talk about that. But they also talk about maybe maybe there's some personnel that is different that we haven't seen before. You know, Matt Nagy coming back to be with the Chiefs and work with Andy Reid, it may make a difference. You know, the quarterback relationship with Matt Nagy has definitely been something that's been, you know, kind of under the radar. But this week, it just answered a lot of questions for Chiefs fans and for the Chiefs team as far as what their offense is really made of. Now, the bye week does come early. We are on a bye this week. So going into the bye week, what did the Chiefs learn from the win against the 49ers? It's still just the way that all the answers the Chiefs were able to find for the problems they were having. This didn't feel like a game where the Chiefs came out and just did what they do it worked better than the opposing defense could stop them, and therefore they put up a bunch of points. This seemed like a relatively specific game plan, not even just to attack the 49ers, although part of that was definitely there, but it was a lot of stuff to protect the weaknesses that they had and how the 49ers would exploit it. So you saw a lot of cover four with defenders and safeties crashing downhill under, you know, on some short stuff. You saw the Chiefs start to push the ball to the outside. There was some back shoulder stuff, then try to push the ball deep. They have difficulty handling good defensive ends. You saw them do a lot of chipping, change up their pass protection, dealing with Mahomes staying in the pocket a little bit more frequently. Run game's not working. You get McCole Hardman, that jet motion work, you know, going, and that opens up the run game. They literally presented a bunch of answers for all the complaints that we as fans have had on the offensive side throughout the beginning of the season. So it was really nice to see, like, hey, it's almost like an acknowledgement. A hat tip that says, hey, we do know how to beat this. Now, don't mind us. We're going to go back to trying to win games by one score late in the fourth quarter every (laughs) single game for the rest of the week and don't panic anymore. Uh, Yeah, you just know that they can fall back on this, I guess. Mine, back shoulder throws, man beaters, things like that. Things we've been calling for for a long time. You know, Chiefs are seeing more man this year than they have at any point, uh, you know, with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback because obviously – Tyreek Hill is a very dangerous person to play man coverage against. So is Travis Kelsey. Teams felt a little more comfortable lining up and trying to take away Juju Smith-Schuster and BS 
Sky Moore, McCall Hardman, whoever it may be out there in man coverage while they could still bracket Travis Kelsey. Now all of a sudden, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, you know, my, you know, whoever it was that came out with it with this game plan, all of a sudden starts dialing up some of these man beaters. Those back shoulder throws are killer. Like if if Patrick Mahomes is going to be throwing those at these guys, that opens up so much more that this offense is going to do so much more from a conversion standpoint. It's awesome to see stuff like that. It's awesome to see some of the other man beaters. It's awesome to see the screen game get going and be effective again, be really effective. Those are hallmarks. And those are things that we have come to trust Andy with in big high leverage moments. We don't always see them, but we definitely saw him this week against a very good defense. And with all these new players, it's nice to know that that's still in the bag. They can still reach in and pull it out when they need to. And it, like Maddie said, gives you confidence. You know, if they're not looking good at some point, it gives you confidence that, what we've seen against the best defenses in the league, that's more of what they are than maybe what they're trying to skate by with week after week. And real Excuse quick, me. which offensive coach do we think has probably thrown the called the most back shoulder plays in his NFL Ooh. career that the Chiefs currently have? Like, is there maybe a guy that, I don't know, coached Alan Robinson, who essentially saying, only... Was, was Matt Nagy here uh, when Kelvin Benjamin signed for like a year? I, for that one back shoulder throw that Patrick yeah, Mahomes has ever thrown, might have been yes. one more than since Matt Nagy left. Just, I'm not saying the game plan was Matt Nagy. It's just I, you know, I find it slightly interesting. That's all. Okay, mm-hmm. you can go on, Kent. Uh no, I find I I think that is slightly interesting too. Um, I you guys are gonna be stunned by this. Uh, I was really impressed with Patrick Mahomes, and and honestly, That's not all, baby. Yeah, it was it was all it was it was all of it, but um. I was just blown away with like how pocket passery he was this week. Um, he was so good being ready to throw on his back, like once his back foot landed at the top of his drop. It was just so consistent and so impressive how good in rhythm he was with his feet for the entirety of the game. Hey, sorry to interrupt today's podcast, but I have to tell you about Liquid Death. And if you've been listening to us and our podcast here, you know already that there is a kind of strange looking water brand out there. Looks like some tall boys of beer in that bottled water section. You can find it at your Walmart, your Target. You're walking through there. You see cases of this weird looking canned water. You're like, what is going on here? You can't help but check it out. Uh, but it might look like beer. I know they got the white cans, the gold tops, so kind of look a little bit like Miller Lite, uh, but you get up close to it, you see this rad-looking can. There's a skull, like, melting off of it. It's pretty gnarly, and it makes you feel cool when you crack open one of those tall boys in maybe your 9 a.m. meeting with your coworkers and like, hey, cracking open a beer? Nope, just a, a, a canned bottled water. I mean, you can't even call it bottled water. Canned water. Fresh mountain spring water from the Alps. It's available in three ways. That's still that sparkling and flavored sparkling water as well with three different flavors of that sparkling water. And it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, they're brutally murdering your thirst. And in the process, they're trying to brutally murder plastic pollution as well. Listen, I hate plastic pollution. I know you hate plastic pollution. Got to save the turtles. Got to get these infinitely recyclable tall boy aluminum cans. Uh, that's what you can do with the with these uh, Liquid Death cans. You recycle them. 
They use them again to make more liquid death cans. Um, it's, it's a genius process. Not only are they doing their best with recycling, reduce, reuse, recycle, you know, everything that we learned in elementary school, but they're also donating 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Uh, great cause there. You can feel good while looking cool with your liquid death. Listen, I love liquid death. I drink all three of their flavors. The berry one is my favorite. The lime one is also phenomenal. And the mango one's not bad either. I'm not a huge mango flavored guy, but I really like the mango flavor uh, that they have at Liquid Death. It's in a really cool, like all gold can too. So they got all gold, all um, all, all green for the lime because that's the colors of limes, and a silver can for the berry one. And I really enjoy Liquid Death. Uh, make sure you go out, give it a try. If you don't want to just try the still water, try the sparkling water. It's better than some of the other sparkling water uh, companies out there. Um, it, it is actually good sparkling water. So you can trust me. And here's what you got to do. Go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Now that confidence is definitely needed as the Chiefs head into the second half of the season. But it's also needed because everyone questioned what the offense would look like without Tyreek Hill. And actually, this this season has been Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's been better this season than he was last season. And the Chiefs offensively as a whole have been better this season than they were last season. They've scored more points. And overall, as a whole, offensively, it's just looked like one cohesive group. On Outside the Trenches this week, BJ, Nick, and Tucker talked about Patrick Mahomes' stats, what it means so far this into the season, and is this offense better than any other Mahomes offense we've seen? Last year during the regular season, the Chiefs put up had three games in which they put up 40 or more points. This season, through seven games, they've already had three games where they've put up at least 40 points. And they've done that against two defenses at the time that were the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, there are points being made that Patrick Mahomes is better this year than he's been in the past. And if we have the receipts going back to this show in the offseason saying I'm not going to be surprised if this is the case because Patrick Mahomes has never gotten enough credit for how well he can read a defense, the mental acuity of playing that position. We've always been so enamored with the physical crazy throws, the left-handed throws, all that crap that you forget that he can also sit back and read a defense and has that ability with coach Reed to get together. And you have this guy with all the tools in the world, all the physical abilities in the world, who is also somebody akin to the way that Andy Reed can call a game you putting two beautiful minds together uh with the physical abilities of patrick mahomes and this is what you get and people are saying he's better now than he was before he's always been this good they just don't feel like they have to force a ball to a player or build an offense around right. a player who is the most explosive player to ever play in the nfl that is truth with tyree kill it didn't need we didn't need that keenan allen the receipts are out there somebody's getting exposed and it's everyone who doubted this offense thinking that it was all built around one player yeah. And I think that's something for me too, that I recognized early on is that I think when you have a person who's so dynamic and so like top of their game, you have to like find ways. And especially as it got towards the end there last season was like, they had to find ways to force it to them. And teams were like, yeah. that's what they want to do. Like they're like just biding their time before they can deep ball to Tyree. And now that yeah. you've eliminated that you, you forced Reed to sort of reconfigure the system. right? adjust a little bit too. So that's why teams are having a tough 
a tough um, sort of uh, reaction where they're like, crap, we don't know what it's going to be now. Besides Travis, anybody's available. Like there's no like number two that's like solid. And that's what makes their offense more dynamic. Now, while the Kansas City Chiefs really don't have that number two position um, in the wide receiver room, Travis Kelsey is a tight end and he is the number one, but there's a lot of a lot of options in the wide receiver room. And I think that's what makes the offense so dynamic, like Nick was saying, because there's so many options that the defense doesn't know how to guard them. Who do you guard? Who's going to have a big game that week? It's just kind of up in the air and there's so many options for Patrick Mahomes to work with. And it is trade deadline and it is by week, but the Chiefs are still making moves off the field. They traded a couple draft picks to the New York Giants in exchange for wide receiver Kadarius Toney. Now, what impact this will make on the wide receiver room, we won't be able to see this week, but he says that he is healthy now. He's been on the injured list for the Giants, but he says he's healthy. So maybe he'll make an immediate impact. We don't know. But BJ sat down this week to talk to Nate Taylor, and this was ahead of this Kadarius trade. But he asked him, do the Chiefs really need to make a trade before the deadline? And what trades should they make? Now, at this point, they've only made the wide receiver trade. And they might make some more. We don't really know. But do they really need to make any more? What should they go out and get if they are trying to get to the Super Bowl? And what should they add to their team? I, 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 love, I love how you phrase it. Like, do they have to? Because... Yeah. That is the question I think that'll be really discussed between now and the deadline on, you know, basically it's it's Halloween, folks, um, because yeah. you have to put it in and the league has to be aware of it the next day on, on November 1st. I want to say yes. And this might be a bit of um, recency bias to some degree, right? Um could the Rams have won a Super Bowl without Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller? Maybe, you know, if everything falls right. You know, I, I still have, you know, I mean, Aaron Donald at times was, was just a yeah. video game in terms of dominance last year. Uh, and look, Cooper Cup was open all the time. But it did help to have another weapon alongside Cooper Cup and another pass rusher alongside Aaron Donald. Um, I don't know if the Chiefs will make two moves similar to that, obviously. Um, yeah. But I do get the sense that to win a Super Bowl, to maybe be that, to maybe just really get the Bills another time, to prevent them from mm -hmm. another Super Bowl, um, you might need another pass rusher. And that's mm -hmm. asking a lot. Um, Carolina, and we've talked about this before, BJ, they have – they have most of the leverage right now. That might change if yep. we get closer to the actual deadline, uh, which I believe is 3 o'clock Central Time on November 1st. But, yeah, I think they could probably use another pass rusher. Um, that would that would lessen the role um, and would probably in your, your, your prop bet. Sorry, BJ. It would probably in <laughs> any chance for George Kaloftis to, 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 get on a, to get on a streak after the bye week. Um, he sees average one sack a game for the rest of the year. For the rest It'll of the fine. season, that's all. You know, you know, It'll be fine. him, Jared Allen, Derek Thomas, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, two of, one of those guys in the hall. It wasn't game. his best game against San Francisco, but I don't think anybody's disappointed so far from what we've seen no. from Carl Loftus in fairness, no. but right. Yeah. I did put some, some big expectations on him. So I'll wear that. 
Now, another team that is on a bye this week is the Kansas Jayhawks. And on Booth Review, Kent and Scott talked about the Kansas Jayhawks and can they make a bowl game? You know, this has been a really big season for the Jayhawks and a, a season that we really didn't expect from the Jayhawks. It has been going well. And yes, they've had some tough losses, but you still have to be proud of this team and where they've come from where they were. Now, will they make a bowl game? We're not really sure, but they kind of need to stick with their own style of football. And Kent talks about what they can do moving forward to ensure that they can get some more wins this season. I think this team's still, you know, they're playing with a little bit of a talent deficiency. So you have to play a holistic style of football where the offense stays on the field. The offense converts some fourth downs. <laughs> they're good in situational football. Yeah, they put a lot of points on the board and they protect the football. They don't have they don't shoot themselves in the foot with a bunch of penalties and fumbles, interceptions. And defensively, we're going to we're going to make them play long sustained drives. And with the talent level that they have and the lack of you know, physical maturity that they've got at this point. I, I mean, I have zero qualms with the with the approach, the strategy. Is it frustrating at times? Yes. Are there times where I wish they could get off the field? Yes. But how many explosive plays have they really given up? And and even then, even then, Kent, it's been like contained to a couple games, right? I mean that that TCU. was the thing for me. Well. TCU got them for like really one. Oklahoma got them, I felt like, for a couple. West Virginia got two unbusted plays, basically. A wide receiver screen where three different guys had a chance to make a play and didn't, and a defensive back fell down another play. You can remember the explosives. It, it doesn't feel like they've happened. You can count on two hands. You know, like I, there's one against Duke. There's one against Houston. But like largely, this, this defense has set out what they came to do. And that's why I don't have really have I don't have any problems with Brian Borland. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about Trade Coffee. And if you've been listening to KCSN, you know that we love Trade Coffee. If you've been getting your coffee from the grocery store and drinking the same coffee every day, I think it's time for you to, to switch things up and it's time to try something even better with Trade Coffee. It's so easy to get fresh roast delivered to your doorstep from local roasters across the country with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. That's the best part about Trade. And they partner with some of the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee they know you'll love. Fresh to your home, on your preferred schedule, and you get to support small businesses. I mean, I'm going to call that a win-win. I think that that's kind of a great cause. You get to support small businesses, get to have great coffee in the process without going out of your way. Double win. That's a win-win-win. And whether you already know what makes what, what you like in your coffee or you're trying to try new specialty coffees and you need some help trade makes it easy and convenient for you to discover new coffees they'll send you ground coffee or whole beans however you prefer it or uh, you can or however you make your coffee at home you can enjoy it with trade coffee they're very good of uh, accommodating to what you like and some of the equipment that you like i've been recently really enjoying cold brewing coffee so i get a uh, ground coarse ground scoop it into my cold brew and i'll put it overnight shake it up a little bit let it steep overnight and i've got me some cold brew coffee that's how i've been really liking to do it we've got a french press they even got k-cup pods that you can like you know the reusable ones they'll ground it up for that so they can do whatever you need them to do 
at uh, Trade Coffee. And it's it's quite in, incredible. And whether if you're a coffee aficionado like Craig Stout is, or if you're looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Can't get any better about that. I think some of my favorite roasts that I've got from PTs, I've it's getting into the seasonal blends. I, they got one that's apple cinnamon. Stop. I really love uh, seasonal blend coffees, pumpkin, uh, apple cinnamon, peppermint, all of those stuff. I love seasonal flavors, and they hit the nail on the head at PT's Coffee. It's um, brewed, brewed right here, roasted right here in Kansas. So, I mean, can't beat that at all. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do to upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee. Let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN. Now, when Kansas comes back from the bye week, they will be playing Oklahoma State, and Kansas State is actually taking on Oklahoma State this weekend. And... Kansas State, they just had a heartbreaking loss to TCU, but thankfully they are still ranked and they're taking on Oklahoma State this weekend. Now, what do, what do the Wildcats need to do this week to ensure that they can beat Oklahoma State? What's next for them? And Cole, John, and Derek sat down on 3MA this week to discuss the Oklahoma State game, what they did wrong in the TCU game and what they can do right moving forward and as well as what their game plan should be moving forward to the Oklahoma State game. If Will Howard plays like he did against TCU, they absolutely can beat Oklahoma State. Um, you know, it's obviously now Oklahoma State's going to prep for Will Howard. TCU, new coaching staff. I think you made that – maybe it was you, John, that made that point. New yeah, coaching, coaching staff, staff had, would have probably had no idea. Yeah, they hadn't seen Will Howard at TCU. New coaching staff comes in the game. K-State, I don't did, – did you guys feel like we ran – can't say ran a little different offense with Will? I mean, some of those plays they were running, I don't know. It just, I think Will was just a little bit more willing to – He was a lot more willing to just throw it up. I mean, the, the Cade Warner it looked, touchdown. It looked you know? pretty similar. I just think okay. that he was a little bit more aggressive – in certain throwing windows that Adrian may not have been. Yeah. Yeah. That, that very well could have been it. I just the, the seeing DJ Giddens pass, you know, out of the backfield downfield 26 yards and then followed right back up with a wheel route to deuce. And I know they've ran wheel routes to deuce before this year. So um, the, the and, pop and pass. Another thing, the, do, the passing game to deuce Vaughn for whatever reason always explodes under Will Howard. And and, hey, it happens in the NFL. I I use this example on one of my stories. Um, Alvin Kamara, when he's with Andy Dalton, his numbers explode. When he's with Jameis Winston, he barely gets the ball in the passing game. Um, It's kind of the same way with Dukes. When he's got other quarterbacks around him, whether it be Skyler or Adrian, not necessarily as much of a weapon in the passing game. But when Will Howard's the quarterback, and maybe because he has to – Maybe he's better against the blitz because he finds the outlet a little bit better. Um, when Adrian sees the blitz, he just bails. When Skyler sees the blitz, he gets hurt. Um, uh, so, or he stays in the pocket and he maneuvers it well. Skyler's pocket poise did improve, you know, incredibly well in his last year at Kansas State. But when Will Howard, I mean, he gets the ball to do's a lot. I mean, dude's caught four balls yeah. <laughs> on Saturday. He hasn't caught four balls all year, I don't think. Yeah, uh, you know. The thing with Oklahoma State that obviously worries you, they got a good defensive front. Probably the collect. They are banged up, definitely. Brock Martin Brock didn't Martin, play. Brock against. Martin didn't play. And then the other kid, uh, Evers, quit. Um, yeah. 
he opted out, and then he had a third one leave the game against Texas and never returned, which is pretty good. Was it Lacey? He's he's the one of the others that concerns me. Um, they've got they've got good defensive ends. I don't know Brock Martin's status for Saturday. Uh, it would be helpful if he doesn't play. Uh, he wasn't dressed at all. And I'll, okay. I'll, you know, last yeah. week. I wasn't able to. Yeah. He is. I wasn't able to watch uh, a lot of the game. I was trying to stream it from the TCU parking lot a little bit on my phone. But uh, and I know we'll talk more about Oklahoma State on Thursday's show. But uh, you know they're going to fully prep for Will Howard, and they're going to probably try to bring a lot of pressure a lot of different looks on that front. And the thing that does concern you is that, you know, they know Will Howard's banged up now. Uh, they're going to go after him. And they're also probably not going to respect him running the football. So they'll completely key in on Deuce. Um, and so Deuce, we already know, like you need Adrian to help take some pressure and alleviate, you know, teams keying in on Deuce. They're going to completely lock in on him. The only way that's going to change is if Will can throw the ball similar to what he did. Um, and stretch the field against Oklahoma State and make him pay. It will help that he's at home. You know, it's a home game. He's played Oklahoma State before. Played him in 2020. Uh, different should've defensive won. coordinator, but uh, yeah, should have won that game. While K State will take on Oklahoma State this weekend, Mizzou has had a little bit of a rough patch, and the fans are kind of falling off. Now that's pretty normal for. Mizzou fans because when they're good they are good and they are supportive but whenever Mizzou starts going on the decline the crowd starts dwindling etc and Mizzou needs to do something Tucker says it right here they need to do something they need to make a change somehow whether that is drink wits no longer calling the offensive plays something needs to happen and on Mizzou that's who Gabe Maggie and Tucker talk about what Mizzou should do to improve their football program. They have to do something. Yes. Yeah. They do. And it's that's kind of the most frustrating part and, is I, I want to support and, them, and the disappointing part is six and six isn't that. Like even if it's even if it's three more, I guess that'd be three more wins. All right. I mean that's kind of the bare minimum expectation. I mean it's what we did last year, so we're not improving. Right. Right. <laughs> Same, pretty same. Yeah, and it just goes back through. I, I feel like, I mean, it's again, it's back to Sam Horn. It's unfair to the kid. I think so much of this program and the future of what happens here is on him next year. Yeah, and it's going to be – it's not going to be good if unless they don't get seven new offensive linemen in the transfer portal either. Um, <laughs> they have to completely revamp their offensive line room. I, I I don't think it's any fault of the coaching staff. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but I think that um, they need some talent rehaul in that offensive line department. If you're going to feel comfortable trotting out your quote unquote franchise quarterback out there um, to try to make a difference in this university's trajectory of where this program is heading, because it's, not heading, let's be honest, it's not heading in the best spot right now. Um, it's not trending in, in the right direction, I don't think. There are th there are ways to scheme around an offensive line. Mike Leach did That's it for true. a long time. I mean, I remember when Josh Heupel got to Missouri, like basically he was doing things under the premise that I don't have any offensive tackles. Like I, I've got to scheme something to not get my quarterback killed. And I don't think that's a change you can make in week eight, but it might have to be a change you make before next year. Yeah, I think it'll be also important as well to keep those those wide receivers in the in the room because 
Sam's not going to be successful if he's not throwing to talent. I mean, you look at all the, the years that Mizzou has been great and look at their wide receivers. I mean, the, they're not going to be able to win games, regardless if they have a good quarterback or not. They're not going to be able to win games without a talented core. And I, I want to say, like, and I said this on our site last week, my concern level that Luther Burden is going to play anywhere but Missouri next year is very low. While Mizzou definitely needs to make some changes, you know, for the rest of the season, we will see what the Kansas City Chiefs do at the trade deadline. Are they going to make any more changes for the team? We will see what happens this weekend. But everyone enjoy the bye week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Get some rest. Watch some college football. Mizzou and K-State play this weekend. But this has been the best of everything, and I am your host, Michaela Bennett.